welcome back to another episode of Wait for Wait Food for Thought podcast. As you can tell, I am feeling a lot better this week. I don't sound as uh, shitty, one might say, as last week. I'm still a little bit congested, but we out here doing what we got to do. I have had a really long day. I am tired. I am ready to just lay down and relax, but... um, you know, had to record this podcast first and also really excited to sit down and just talk about a topic that I've been wanting to discuss for weeks now. I keep bringing it up in previous episodes. I keep saying, um, I'm going to talk about letting go of a grudge, letting go of a grudge. And then something happens the next week that speaks to me more about what I should talk about. But this week, I feel like Letting go of grudges really is speaking to me right now, and in, in and I'm in a space that I can talk about it um, in a way that's or because it's relating to my life right now. So, before I begin with my little backstory and then helping you guys or giving you guys some advice on what you can do to let go of that annoying ass grudge, I want to start with whatever floats your quote. I have two quotes today. I feel like I have two quotes every time, but whatever. So the first quote is. Grudges are for those who insist that they are owed something. Forgiveness, however, is for those who are substantial enough to move on. Butcher that, but you get the idea. That's by Chris Jamie. The next one is, um, I actually love this one. Uh, Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. By Anne Lamott or Annie Lamott. One of the two. But very... It's very true. Very true. So we'll talk about, um, I'll just start by giving some insight into my story and where my grudge, grudges, where my grudges lie. Yeah, I have multiple, but I'm learning to let them go. So this begins back when my dad was dying from cancer. Um, My dad, before I was born, let's back up even more. Before I was born, my dad bought a restaurant with his parents in Vista, California called Allen's Alley Cafe. It was super successful. It's a mom and pop little restaurant um, in the city of Vista. And it doesn't seat that many people. There's only 11 tables. uh, I'm sorry, six tables, 11 counter spaces, and then like three tables outside. But it was always so busy. There was always a wait outside, 30 to 45 minutes uh, of a wait. And people would sit there and wait and drink some coffee outside and wait for this really delicious family-owned restaurant. Uh, when I was born, um, I like just remember being in that restaurant at all times. But when I was around seven, I really started to work there. So I would wake up with my dad. Um, I'd either show up like later, like nine, depending on the day, because I was still really young. Or my dad would wake me up at 4.35 and I would go open the restaurant with him. And I learned the concept of a really hard work ethic at a really young age. So they obviously didn't work me to the bone, but I would work like once a week, like on the weekends, maybe a Saturday or Sunday, come in, work with my dad for like five hours, learn the ropes of the restaurant and then leave. But my dad worked like six days a week nonstop. I remember him just waking up at 4.30 every single day to get ready for work. And he would be back at like 2.30 or 3.30 in the afternoon. So... Yeah, he was very involved with the with the restaurant, and so was my grandma and my grandpa. So as I got older, uh, my grandparents got older, and my grandpa 
stepped back a little bit from the restaurant because he was just getting older. And I remember my dad and my grandma being really the head honchos of, of running the business. Now, they had an agreement that was written down. Um, and now I'm learning that you guys, no matter no matter who you are opening a business with, always write down the exact things that everybody will own in the off chance that the business falls through or something shady happens, whatever the case may be. No one likes to think about those things happening, especially if you're running a business with like your sister or your brother or your best friend or your parents, grandparents, whatever the case may be. Um, it's not worth the risk. Anyway, so the agreement that was made with my mom, with my, I'm sorry, with my grandma and my dad was my grandma owned the actual building. So she owned the property and my dad owned the restaurant. So he owned, you know, in terms of legality, he owned the menu, the business name, um, everything in the restaurant. And that was their kind of loose agreement. And that was written down, but it wasn't like, what does that really entail? Like, what does my grandma own versus what does my dad own? It was, it was just a very vague, like, yeah, I own this, you own this for just legality purposes. So when my dad was, for those of you that don't know, just a little recap, he had cancer for four years. And during the last year of his life or the last six months of his, his life, he started getting dementia. But when he first he, he, let me back up again. He kept getting these series of seizures. And every time he had a seizure, he was a little bit more out of it. And eventually there was one seizure that just completely, he just didn't recover from. But when he was first getting some seizures, he was still, you could still talk to him. Like you could have a normal conversation with him, but he wasn't retaining anything. So, or he would just kind of stare at you and you, and you would get really annoyed. Like, what the fuck are you listening to me? And he really wasn't, he was getting like a bunch of mini seizures that, you know, didn't erupt with all the usual signs of seizures. They were just happening and he would just kind of stare off into space, but he still was, um, losing his memory slowly. He couldn't really process information or process a conversation. He could just kind of, you think that he could, but uh, he really wasn't. So the, this part of the story gets a little bit, uh, convoluted. Like we don't know exactly, exactly, exactly what happened, but we have an idea and we think this is what happened. So my grandparents, um, my grandma actually, and my dad's sister and my dad's brothers, uh, he has two brothers, told my mom that they were going to take my dad out for a little family outing. And this was about the time where he had a few seizures, so he wasn't really coherent, but he could hold a conversation. So they said they were going to take him on a family outing, and then whatever, they came back, great. And then we said goodbye, have a good day, bye. And then when my dad passed away, my mom called my grandma and said, hey, I just want to see now that, you know, Charlie's passed, how much of the restaurant do we own? Like what percentage, what do we need to do to help you, you know, get this business rolling? She said, you own none of it and hung up the phone. 
Uh, my mom is a badass bitch, you guys, and she doesn't take shit from anybody. You especially don't want to piss her off because she will not stop destroying you. Even if she's going to lose at the end of the day, she will destroy you and your reputation and like post shit online to destroy your reputation. <laughs> so don't fuck with her. But my mom, you know, called my grandma back and was like, fine, I'm taking you to court. No problem. You think that's the case? I'm taking you to court. So of course, lawyers have to know, well, what, what did he own? What did your grandma own? What's, what's the split? Give me all the paperwork that you guys can find. So my mom went to the Vista courthouse and got documentation about what part of the restaurant my dad owns. So we had some documentation from previous years, but we needed something that was up to date. Suddenly you guys, this document said that my dad didn't own, only owned 20% of the business and my grandma owned 80. So suddenly there's this shift in, in who owns what. Um, and there's my dad's signature on the paper. So something happened, um, where he signed off the restaurant out of his own name. And based off of the medical records, he was actually in a state of, uh, you know, he was not coherent, so he couldn't. He shouldn't have signed any sort of documentation at that particular time. So he didn't know what he was signing. He wasn't coherent. But <clears throat> so we went through court cases. I'm not gonna get into the boring details of the court case. We were basically going through trials and court shit for I don't know three years. We had to sell our home. Um, yeah, we just lost a lot in the process of just trying to take them down and just get, at the end of the day, justice for my dad. And my mom's mentality was, you know, this is my kid's future that you're messing with. This is not mine. I don't care about my future, but you can't take away a family business for my children because now they have nothing left. Because uh, ultimately, like, yeah, my dad owned a business. My mom was also running the business alongside of him. Like, she would do a lot of things. She didn't have another job. That was her, that was her job, along with being a mom. So yeah, the court case and lasted a good three or so years and my whole family, my dad's whole side of his family stopped talking to us. Like they just wouldn't talk to us. My, my aunts blocked me. My cousins blocked me on social media. Everybody stopped talking to us. I don't even know. I, so my grandma is a very manipulative person and she spews lies to make her side of the story seem very... Uh, like she's the victim. So I don't, to this day, I don't think my, I haven't talked to my family, my dad's side of the family since 2012. So I don't know what they think, honestly, but I know it's not the truth, but either way, I don't care. And I'll get to that in a minute. But so that's my dad's side of the family. We haven't been in communication with them for a long time. They stole our family business. We had to sell our house in order to pay for the court case. And the verdict of the court case was uh, my dad did in fact own it, but because the papers were so convoluted and there was a huge gap, like nothing really made sense in terms of um, the paperwork, the verdict was my grandma had to sell her business. So she had to sell the business, but we couldn't do anything because she actually owned the building. That part of the, the paperwork was always consistent. So she had to change the name completely. She had to have a different menu. She had to, uh, you know, get all new. Um, I don't really know exactly what she had to 
do other than the menu and the the business name itself. Like nothing could be associated with Allen's Alley Cafe. The menu had to change all that stuff. Um, she ended up opening a new restaurant a month later after the court case. So um, I, at that point, I felt so angry, like so upset that after years, you still win, like you still get the business. Uh, this is what my thoughts were, you know, a few, maybe like even a year ago, uh, was just, you still won after all this time, like the shitty people, the, the people who have lied, the people who have been manipulative won at the end of the day. That was my thought process. <clears throat> now, I will get back to the story in a second, but going on to my mom's side of the family. So my mom's side of the family, uh, where do I even begin? So my mom, when my dad was dying, my mom's brother and his wife came out to visit us and they live very, 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 very unhealthy lives. They smoke cigs or my aunt smoked cigs. Um, she's an alcoholic. My uncle doesn't really smoke or drink. I mean, he'll drink, but it's not like as bad as my, as his wife, my aunt. Um, they eat super poorly, like fast food all the time, barbecue, ribs, hamburgers, like all this shit. They live in Florida. So all around them is just like fast food after fast food restaurant. And when they came over to visit us to kind of help my mom, my mom out for a bit, um, just a little bit of back backstory as well. My dad was vegan. Uh, that was his decision to be vegan so that he could um, have a higher chance of beating the odds of cancer, which he did. He was supposed to live for six months and he ended up lasting four years. So that was his decision. And when he got into a state of dementia, nobody was going to force feed him any kinds of food that wasn't vegan. One, because that's not up to us. That's up to him. Two, he hasn't eaten meat or dairy for four years, so he will get sick. Um, and he was already just very fragile as it, as it is, or as it was. And so my aunt and uncle were telling my mom when they were visiting that she's killing him, that she's not letting him be, be happy, eat what he wants. She's being very restrictive to his diet, not letting him be happy. Um, I don't know what goes through your mind to tell somebody that, especially a wife, that she's killing her husband. Now, I understand that death brings about a side of us that we're not familiar with. It maybe is a defense mechanism or whatever the hell it is. It came out and it was just a blaming game. And my uncle pulled me aside. I will never forget this. He pulled me outside in the front of my house and said, you guys are being delusional. Your dad is dying and your mom isn't giving him the treatment that he needs to survive. Now, the treatment that he's referring to is the doctor said that the only option available would be full brain radiation to try to get rid of the, the state of dementia that he was in. Y'all, full brain radiation. Can you even fathom that? As a person with stage four lung cancer who is very incoherent, who is obviously having a very weak immune system and a weak system. You want to give him full brain radiation. Now, I understand that was the only option for him, but even the doctors were skeptical. They were like, that's the only thing that we can do. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to work. So my mom decided against it. She said, you know what? He wouldn't have wanted that, and I want him to be able to be happy in the last few years or months of his life, so we're going to opt out of it. 
And my uncle found that, uh, saw that as we're killing him and we're not doing what's in the best interest of my dad. He offered to give us some money to help with some medical expenses. And then he took that money back and him and his wife got on a flight and went back to Florida. Um, and haven't spoke to my mom since. They didn't come to the funeral. Nobody reached out to us when my dad passed away. Um, and my aunt, my, my, my mom's brother's uh, wife, the same lady that was came to visit us, has a lot of control over the rest of my mom's family. So my mom's brother is very wealthy and they both help pay for my other, my mom's other sisters, just livelihoods. So she kind of blackmailed them. She said, Hey, you talk to Sabrina and Dunya, which is my sister or my mom, Maha, and I will stop paying for X, Y, Z. You need to block them on Instagram. You cannot speak to them. And if I do find that you do, I'm cutting you off. So I haven't talked to my mom's side or my dad's side. And it just baffles me, you guys. It baffles me that somebody dies and then this side of people emerge that is so ugly and so deceitful and so revengeful. Is that a word? It is now. Revengeful. (laughs) And just full of hate. That's what it is. Just full of hate. Revengeful hate. (laughs) So... Yeah, I haven't talked to either side of the family. I try to like, I, if I'm being honest, I talk to like a couple of my cousins that my family doesn't know that we t- we are in communication, um, but it's still very rare. Like it's never going to be the same. I never have family um, Christmases like I used to have or family Thanksgivings or I never fly to Florida to see my family anymore. It's just like, I don't know what's going on in their lives and they don't know what's going on in my life or my family's life and that's it. And so all that's left is me, my mom and my sister And I'm cool with that. And up until recently, and recently I say within the last year or so, I have had such hatred in my heart for this, for both sides of my family. Like such hate and just, I just feel so, I don't even describe it. Just hate, hateful, hateful. Like my heart, my, my blood boils thinking about these people. And when my grandma opened a new restaurant, I was about to go on to, um, to Google reviews and just blast them and just tell the world what she did. Um, You know, people wondered where I went. I used to work there as I got older twice a week. So I would go to school Monday through Friday and I would work Saturday and Sunday. And I would um, save up to pay for my own school, my own private school, high school education, my own computer, my own things. I would have to pay for all of the stuff that I wanted. I have to pay for another thing. My, my dad's grand, my, my dad's mom did my grandma is, um, I was going to a private school and every time I worked, I had to put my money into an envelope and my grandma would put that money into a bank account, um, that I couldn't touch so that we could pay for my high school education. So she was kind of helping me manage that money. Um, when, when my dad passed away and the court case was going on, she actually sued me for $250,000 and said that I owed her that money for, because she paid for my school in full. Um, I don't know what kind of grandma can sue a grandchild, especially on those premises, because that's false. And that, again, that made me so hateful. Um, last thing before I kind of talk about the lessons or the positive that comes from all this shit is, um, 
during the whole the whole court case, I actually called my grandma with a star 67 number and she picked up and I said, hey, this is Sabrina. And I was just like, I remember my blood was boiling and I was so full of rage when I called that I was just about to lay it on her. And she said, oh my gosh, Sabrina, I love you so much, but I can't talk to you. I love you so much and hung up the phone. How can you, I just don't understand how you can say something like that. That's so false, obviously, and still try to go after your son's family, your son's family. So I will never understand. And I know that this is, I'm not unique to the situation. This happens all the time. When somebody dies, people are trying to fight for money, fight for a business, um, fight for wealth, that people don't really look at what's in front of them. You lost your son, your brother, your, your sister, your family member, and that nothing you do, nothing will ever bring that person back. And I know that people try to find ways to bring that person back or make that person be alive in their own own point of view, and they will be willing to do anything to knock anybody down um, in the way or that's in the way. So that's what I feel my family was trying to do is trying to find an answer or a reason for somebody that's so good and why that person that's so good has died. So for me, I spent my life hating them and I spent my life doing things in spite of them. So I want to open a coffee shop. And throughout my first few thoughts of this coffee shop, my mentality was, I'll show you grandma. I'll fucking show you. I'm going to have the most successful fucking coffee shop and you will see this on the news. You will see this in your local papers. That goes for my whole family. You will all see the success that me, my mom, and my sister are bringing about, and that had nothing to do with you. No thanks to you. We are very successful, and we are very well off, and we are more well off because you're no longer in our lives. So everything that I really did was a huge fuck you. It was, I graduated college, fuck you. (laughs) to my family. Fuck you guys. You weren't there. You weren't there. And I did it. And you thought that I wouldn't do it. And I did it. I had this podcast and I said, fuck you. I hope you listen to this. Um, and anything that I did, it was just, I hope, I hope you're out there looking at how successful I am and, and feeling guilty that you're no longer a part of my life or my family's life, my mom and my sister and me. That's what I say when I mean my family. And then I started realizing that I am not at peace. I am not at peace with myself. And there are times where I think of my family and I get so angry and, and so full of rage that it serves me. It doesn't serve me at all in my life. It doesn't do a thing but make me unhappy. And I need to be content with the fact that we are human beings. We all have a conscience unless you really have something that maybe you're a psychopath or you really have something that you can't really understand good and bad, right and wrong, which is very, 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 very rare. And the fact of the matter is the family that I no longer talk to, that is about 20 of them, 20 family members from cousins to uncles to grandparents, 20 people. There's no way that all 20 of those people don't know right from wrong or don't feel some sort of guilt. So I know they're feeling guilty. I know they're feeling shameful. I know that they're ashamed. And that needs to be good enough for me. I need to know that 
your wrongdoings in your life are bringing you so much. There's, there's a shadow over your life that you cannot fix. And you are so unhappy with yourself that you feel the need to bring down the lives of others around you. And that's what I feel like my family feels like. Um, and just recently, uh, last July, actually, July 19th, 2019, that is the anniversary of my dad's death. And my sister and I took the day off work and we went to my dad's favorite uh, breakfast place. And surprisingly, my dad's sister walks through the door uh, when we sit down. She sits down at a table right in front of us. There are so many tables open. She doesn't see us. And I looked to my sister and I said, we need to be the bigger people. We need to bring about peace and love. And why don't you go and ask her if she wants to sit with us? Even though she has blocked us from our lives. She has never talked to us since the death. And she just won't insert herself into our lives at all. My sister went up to her table and said, hey, um, I just wanted to know if you wanted to sit with us. We just saw you and, you know, we're just sitting right behind you. She turns around. She looks at me. She goes white as a ghost. And she says, actually, no, no, I do not. Gets up, tells the waiter to stop her order and bolts out the door, bolts out the door. My sister looked at me on the verge of tears and I was so fucking mad. I was shaking. You guys, I was shaking. I wanted to, I want to punch a bitch y'all. I want to punch a bitch. Um, I wouldn't have done that, but anyway, so that moment brought about all of the rage that I've been feeling since all of this went down back in 2012. And I felt like I was just starting over and I wanted to, to text my cousin that I still talk to and say, look what this, look, look, look what our aunt did to us and blah, 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 and complain and just bitch around to people. And after I calmed down, which honestly didn't take, didn't happen overnight, it took a couple weeks, I realized my life is for me. My life is for my sister. My life is for my mom. My life is for my wonderful fiance, my best friends. It is not for the people that have brought me hurt and harm and grief and unhappiness. And we get so caught up with the people that bring us the most pain that we forget to look at the people that are bringing us so much joy, so much light, so much happiness. And rather than me doing everything in my life and saying, fuck you, look what I'm doing, I have changed the rhetoric to say, I have done this for myself. I have succeeded for myself. I have succeeded for my wonderful dad in heaven. Nothing that I do in my life needs to come from a place of hate. And whether it's for me, for my well-being, I need to learn to let go. If I am constantly getting so worked up over somebody that is probably not even thinking about me or is probably just living their own lives and I am sitting here getting angry, that is my own fault. And that anger is going to hinder me from doing anything that's bringing me success. I will not be able to be a successful human being if I am doing things out of hate. I will only be able to be successful if I do things out of love. Similarly, this is probably more relatable is we all have ex-boyfriends or girlfriends. We all have, or even if they weren't your boyfriend or girlfriend, we all have that person that probably screwed you over. 
And you probably search for them on social media every so often. You probably see what they're doing. You probably want to see that they're not happy or that they're failing or whatever. And you hope that they see that you're succeeding on your social media and they, they look you up and, and see that you're doing all of these things and that you're, you have to make sure that your social presence is so, is so robust and beautiful and magical so that people can be jealous of you or that person that you want to be jealous of you or prove, hey, fuck you, um, is out there. What's the point? What is the point? You don't want to to live your life trying to please somebody who doesn't give a fuck about you. And that's that's what it is at the end of the day. These people don't give a fuck about you. My family doesn't give a fuck about me because if they did, they would text me. They would call me. They would see what's going on. And they haven't. And I have to be okay with that because if I'm not okay with that, I am ruining my own life. At that point, it's my own fault. It is your own fault if you allow a grudge to hinder your own success and your own happiness. If a grudge is making you unhappy, that is your own fault. I'm not saying it's easy because it took years for me to let go. It took years for me to be, for me to be able to say, you know what? Not fuck you. Thank you. Thank you for showing me the kind of person I never want to be. Thank you for showing me the kind of grandmother I never want to be. Thank you for showing me what I need to do to be successful in my life. Thank you for showing me that a business plan and and getting a lawyer is the right thing to do when, when running a business. Thank you for showing me what real love looks like by showing me hate. There is so much to be learned from people that bring you down in your life, that bring you unhappiness, and you just have to switch your perspective. I've said this in a previous episode, perspective is my favorite word in terms of its definition. My real favorite word is chocolate, but we're not talking about that. So my favorite word in terms of its meaning is perspective because with a switch of perspective, you can change an entire situation. You can change an entire scenario by just switching your perspective. So if you have a grudge, which I know you do, and if you don't have a grudge, something's wrong, but we all have people that make us a little bit unhappy or a little bit just like, oh, 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 you, you get under my skin and I want to prove you wrong. Don't prove those people wrong. Find it in your heart to love and let go. Now the, the saying, what is the saying? Forgive and forget. Yeah. I, I will forgive my family. I forgive them. I won't forget because if you forget, then you're not learning a goddamn thing, but I forgive you. And if you're listening to this, which I know you're not, and that you is anybody in my family, if any of you are listening to this, I forgive you. And I love you all for showing me the kind of person that I really want to be and the, the person that I really do not want to be. For those of you that aren't my family members, I want you to take a moment to Write down the people in your lives that have brought you so much rage and unhappiness and those people that you do have a grudge against. Write their names down and write down, I forgive you. And then write down, besides all of their names, what have you learned from these people? What have you learned 
in terms of who you want to be as a person or who do you not want to be as a person because there is always a lesson to be learned by people that bring you so much unhappiness in your lives. Now with that, I hope, I hope, I hope that um, it's easier for you to get over that grudge, to get over that hump, to let go, just to let go so that your life can be free, that your life can be freeing and light. Because if you hold on to that grudge, you guys, you are going to feel so heavy and your life is going to feel so dark. I have let it go. I have forgiven and I feel so much happier within my own soul and do this for the sake of your soul, not for the sake of anybody else. I'm not forgiving my family so that they know that I forgive them. I am forgiving them so that I can feel better about my own life so that I can have more mental clarity with whatever it is that I want to do in my life um, in terms of my own success without thinking about who is going to see my success. My success is for me my life is for me. My actions are for me. My Everything that I do in my life should be for me and the people that I truly, truly, truly care about. And wasting your energy and your breath and your, your, your mentality on shitty people is just going to waste more and more and more precious, valuable time that you will never get back. So let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Watch Frozen and let it the fuck go and breathe breathe and be light and feel free of those 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 grudges you guys I hope this helps and if you want somebody to talk to or if you want some advice or you want to just vent about that one person or people or family or whatever the hell I am here shoot me a message on Instagram if you don't already follow me my Instagram is at w-a-i-t underscore f-o-r underscore w-e-i-g-h-t my email if that's easier for you is w-a-i-t f-o-r w-e-i-g-h-t at gmail.com thank you guys i hope this helped and i will see you all next week <laughs>